1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Doctor Joe.
2: Show. Oh what was that? Did you do that? That's pretty good. That was that was great. I just want to give a, a quick shout-out quickly to Jim Quine, who was your predecessor, who has offered to come on the show when he is recovered and talk about what it is to have a heart transplant and what that's like and the experience of it and i mean it's just it's a mind mind mind-blowing thing so i wish him well he's 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 you know doing the rehab getting himself back together good luck to you jim You were an incredible, incredible person. That will be a cool conversation. Yeah, amazing. We got a really interesting show tonight. This is what I'm trying to do. We've had so many amazing guests. I mean, truly, truly amazing, gifted people. And we are so grateful that they have come on our show and told us so much about their lives, what they're doing. But what i was thinking is why don't we take some clips from them and do a deeper dive into what was really going on what were they really talking about and using the im lens and just to remind people the im is the im approach and i created it back in 1982 and the idea is no one's broken no one is sick we're all doing the best we can at every moment in time. It is our current maximum potential with the potential to change in the very next second to another I am. This is who I am. I matter, but we're influenced by four domains. No one's gonna argue your home domain has had an influence on who you are. And then there's the social domain, which is the rest of the world. And these two domains are outside. And the internal domains are our biological domain of our brain and body and what I call the I see domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? And these four domains interact all the time, but I truly believe we respond to them the best we can. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but let's try to understand it. Let's look again at why we do what we do based on the influence of the domains and think about the words. Look again. Again, look again to repeat something. Look like a spectator. Let's respect why people do what they do. And when's the last time we got angry at someone treating you with respect? Respect leads to value, which is what everybody wants. And value leads to trust. And with trust, we can look at ourselves without worrying that we're going to find something broken. That's what the I am is about. It, it quickly cuts through that fear that we have that there's something wrong. There isn't just doing the best you can. But if you don't like it, you can change it. Because each of the domains are interconnected, so a small change can have a big effect. And the other thing is. Everyone has an I am everyone is interested in what you think about them. And that means you control no one. You influence everyone. And you get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. And our guests. have had amazing influence. And so tonight, what I wanted to do was take a deeper dive into some of them by playing a couple of clips from them. And Tom, who are we going to start with? Are we going to start with Hedy?
3: We're going to start with Hetty. We're going to start with Hetty An amazing lady, prolific artist, even to this day. She's 90 years old. Fled Nazi Europe during World War II, or pre-World War II. I believe it was 1938. Ben, you got the clip? Sure do. Here we
0: go. My brother and I used to walk to school in Vienna every morning. And in a building, these were apartment buildings, and in an apartment building on the side, there was some young women who always waved at us. They even came down once with chocolate for us. And the stormtroopers, a group of stormtroopers, began to walk through the streets one morning. And I don't remember seeing them but those girls did. And one of them had a born friend who was with a Nazi uniform, and he was there. And she said, I want you to go into that building across the street and look for which apartment has a door smashed in and find out the name of that person and find out what he looks like and go get him. And he said, I can't do that. She said, go. And he went, and he found the broken door, and... My parents apartment and said to my mother what's the I am the boyfriend from the girls who always wave at your children what does your husband look like and what's his name and she said his name is Jacob Kelman and he's short and has red hair they walk through the streets for every group were Jews, it was only men who were gathered at that time. And he would go up to them and say, who's Jacob Kelman? And they kept walking and looking into groups until one had my father in it. And he yelled, come with me. And they walked my father Either he or there were two. I don't remember that part of the story. They walked him until it became dark. And then they had a friend. And they took him to that friend's room. And the next morning, my father came home. And I'm alive because all people of a different group do not have to be evil. Because these people risk their lives. Yes. So I'm glad you asked me about that. I make sure if I speak in a school that I mention that because it is so easy to hate a group. And I don't want them to.
3: Don't judge a Nazi by his cover. That's, that's, Mind so, blown.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, a goosebump kind of story, isn't it? I mean, really I'm getting goosebumps listening to Hetty. Hetty, who, who's an incredible painter, and who I just want people to know, has her own Monday night show now on on Facebook Live, where she's painting oh. and talking with people and doing some great things. And she says that we inspired her. Really. Is, incredibly awesome. generous of her. She's a remarkable person. So what about this story? What, what is going on here? It's an amazing message, right? Especially in
1: like a a, a a weird political environment that maybe we're in here in the United States, right? Where, you know, I don't like that group because they don't think like me. Well, do you not
3: like the entire group? Or do you... If there was a safe group to hate all of, though, do you yeah. think that it was her, like, she was so young at the time, so maybe she didn't build those kind of intense emotions toward them? But that be happen. it. Yeah. Sort of, sort of uh, an innocence that never allowed rage and hatred to build up.
2: What do you think? I think that's certainly possible. I, I think, um, I mean, children are not born racist and biased and, and hating. I mean, children are, are born into the world with an understanding of peace. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, there's, there's a, a different integrity to a child. Um, And she was young. She was really young. I think she was, what, six, maybe seven, eight years old at the most. So there's that possibility. But she recognized that there were groups, that there were the stormtroopers, and there were the Jewish men, and there were these women across the street who sometimes would give them chocolates who were clearly German. You know, they they were blonde-haired, as she said, and... This was not part of of her group, but they were kind to her. Um, And this is this is part of, of what I really wanted to talk about, because we are in a social domain right now where there is a lot of anger, a lot of of hatred, a lot of animosity. And we can still find kindness, even in the smallest thing that's part of why I wanted to really dig deeper into Hetty's story because she was saved by the very people who had been and eventually would kill millions of others. And yet this person saved her father. So yeah, we can't just lump. I mean, um, I remember, you know, uh, a patient that I had who was getting really agitated. It wasn't even my patient. I was just covering the unit. And I, I walk in to talk with them and it immediately says, you're, you're going to give me an injection, aren't you? I said, well, What do you mean? He said, you, Well, you, you're the you're the doctor. You're the psychiatrist. You're going to tell the nurses to give me an injection. I said, to him, Are you a lumper? So what do you mean? I said, Well, you've just lumped me in with probably every other psychiatrist you might have met, but you don't know who I am. And I don't know who you are, so I don't know. Do you need an injection? And by treating him with that respect, he just calmed right down. He said, no, but, you know, if you got something I can take my mouth, I'll take it because I'm kind of angry. I said, great, we'll do it. But he didn't need an injection. He didn't need a restraint. Because he had lumped me in with all these other people, but I was able to say, you know what? I'm not. You don't know who I am yet. Remember my phrase, every friend was once a stranger. So guys, remember, we're talking about Hetty's remarkable story about basically how her Jewish family was saved by Nazis um, and how she's never forgotten that and how sometimes we just lump people into a group and then just attribute intention to them that may have nothing to do with them as an individual. But because they're somehow part of an identified group, we say, well, you know, you're not part of my group. So that means, what, that you're dangerous? And that is happening right now in our country. There is so much fear and anger. And, and all I want to do is, is know why. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just want to know why, because I think if we can understand why people get so afraid, we can change that there I am. That's where I am. But how are they being influenced by the home domain, by the social domain right now of media that, that somehow, sometimes says things that are really targeted to one particular group? Because they know that that group, well, listen, just really like what we're doing here. We're really hoping that it's a much larger group because everybody has an I am. But I really hope people can, can begin wondering, why do I do what I do? How am I influenced? By my four domains. And once I understand that, it becomes a roadmap for change. I don't like what I'm doing. Because a small change can have a big effect, all I need to do is make a small change in any one of the domains and it will have a ripple effect. And then you can reassess your new I am. So it's a powerful story. Mark, do you want to say a little bit about you know what you were starting to talk about?
1: So we started to um talk about Hetty, who was part of a community, who had another community living across the street, but were nice to her, but yet there was a, another part of that community, a bigger part of that community that was not going to be so nice to her. But those that were part of that community were nice to her. So what I was starting to talk about before we came back on the air was, it very similar to the race conversation that we've had over the last few months is the the difference between treating everyone equally, right? We've had the conversation like, do we treat everyone equally? Well, well no, we don't. We're going to treat everyone individually, right? Not based on what group they're from or what uh, uh, pigment they have. We're going to treat them based on who they are and how they treat me really right because that's kind of the relationship that we have with them and am I going to treat them the same as I am the person that's in their group most people will a lot of people will but if we take a step back and say well this individual is not like all of the people in that group or my perception of what all those people are like in the group this is an individual and this individual just saved my life
2: but i think it takes enormous courage to to say i'm i'm who i am even though i'm part of this group because the group has such power a group has such power if i'm not part of that group if i don't align myself with it i could get kicked out i could be one of those other people and I think that's part of of the fear and uh, another aspect of fear but it's still an I am look Nazi Germany had an I am I don't like it but I want to understand it and I think so many people have spent so much time and there's so many books looking at what was happening in the social domain of Germany that that gave them a platform that a person like hitler could become a leader and it's important to understand these things not to judge it but to understand it because if we if we don't understand these things aren't they potentially just going to repeat again it had to do with fear it said that group of people that group of people are taking something from you and therefore you have to do something and stop them. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot. We had
1: a whole series on community, right? And the the tribal nature of community, right? We don't wanna be left out. There's protection within the community. There's safety within the community. And, you know, God forbid, I'm
2: not part of that community. That community might turn on me. Right, that's right. But the other side is, why do we need to limit the size of our community? I mean, why, isn't there always room for one more? I mean, there there certainly isn't at my dinner table. There's always room for one more, you know, because there's another opportunity, another conversation, another, another moment that we can laugh about something, another moment that we can cry together about something. There should always be room for one more. Why not?
3: Right.
2: What do you think, Tom?
3: Yeah, because you know I've heard the—I don't know how much weight you put on it, Doctor Joe—but the idea that our tribe can consist of no more than 200 people. But that's a—isn't that a hundred
2: thousand-year-old rule? Yeah, yeah. That's we right. we can change that. We right? Right. And and we have to. And you know when when we had John Jonathan Kahn on talking about um, implicit bias and race on the brain, he was very clear and said, you know, we can't just hide behind the biological domain anymore because we have created social systems that systematically disenfranchise people. And we have to be responsible. We, can, we have to change those rules. Why would we need to do that? And then, and then when we do it, why are we so astonished that there's a whole group of people who feel disenfranchised. Well, of course they do, because that's what we created. So why can't we do something about it? And this is part of the value thing. I talk about this a lot, and I, I, I was thinking the other day, you know, everybody wants to feel valuable. And at any moment in time, we can remind someone of their value. I've spoken about this before. And then whenever you do that, you increase your own value but we're really good also at devaluing. We're good at taking things away from people. And when we do that, you should not be astonished that the other person has a response because now they are feeling less valuable. And that activates the limbic system. My fight, flight, freeze response because all of a sudden I'm in danger. So I was thinking, what if we just acknowledged that there are some times that we do that. It's our I am at times to make somebody feel less valuable, even if it's unintentional. But the way we can correct it is by giving them back something that we took, even if we didn't think we took it. I mean, I know last week I really annoyed one of my family members unintentionally. I said something that got them annoyed. And I eventually, initially, was defensive. I, I didn't mean to do that, I, you know. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what, it doesn't matter because they felt less valued. And even though it wasn't my intention, I will remind them of their value. I'll sort of put back what is not there. That's something I, I would really like you guys to, to comment on. I mean, is that still selfish? Or is that saying, this is altruism, this is, this is us doing something to restore what was lost, what was taken? What do you think?
3: Well, is there, this is philo- more philosophical, but what is altruism if we get a sense of pride and a sense of satisfaction and a sense of value from it? Is, it, uh,
2: is, is, it, is selfishness bad in that sense? So well, maybe altruism was, was the wrong word because you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people have said altruism is sort of phony because what you're really doing is, is giving something to somebody else with the hope that later on in the future you get something back. Hmm. Right? So is it really altruistic or is it sort of planful? I'm thinking, okay, you know. You never know what's coming down the road, so I want to be prepared and have as many people that I've been with. I did. And it's a me. good thing
3: because I, I never, I never liked the sentiment that oh, it's not about you though. Just remember that, and I'm like, isn't it? Anytime we get involved, of course it's about us because you have a role in this and you should feel good about it. That's a major motivation for a lot of people, and it's one that is beneficial, is it not? I
2: go ahead, Mark. How how often
1: is it a selfish motivation? I mean, it's you know, we've talked about this with charity, right? You 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 feel good being charitable. You know you're doing good. Is it selfish to be charitable because of the great feeling it gives you?
3: Perhaps if it's for attention. That's the only negative I, 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 I can see. I, I, no we've
1: talked about this with respect to just limited to oxytocin you know not not the look at me i'm being charitable person but the it feels so good internally to be charitable that it's almost selfish to be charitable right so i'm gonna be charitable so i can get that good feeling not that i'm gonna get on the news and tell everybody how charitable i'm being but the feeling the innate feeling of of You know that positive emotion that you get from being charitable is it actually selfish to
2: be charitable well i i don't know i don't think that feeling pleasure is necessarily something that's selfish i think i i'm not sure it's selfish as much as the positive reinforcement that our brains have developed because if it didn't feel good to do something for someone else we would not be able to survive as a social group right we would just be you know isolated and competing and not cooperating and it would be everyone for themselves so it makes absolute sense that it feels really good when you help somebody else and that's that is just the most amazing thing I I get this feeling every day when I work with my patients and Mark my guess is you get this every day when you work with your clients and Tom I hope you get this every day when you work with us so all right it just, it just feels great. and then of course there's Ben uh who who's helping everybody there in the studio so
1: it's, it's gratification great. right but but what we were talking about when we rolled into that or we backed into that was you know everything we do is arguably for self-interest self-purpose self right? well even if you're doing that's what that's what I say so even if you're doing it for someone else you, you may be doing it because it feels good
2: right? okay so so this gets to the heart of a book by Richard Dawkins way back in the 1970s called The Selfish Gene. And his hypothesis, his thesis was just that mark that everything we do. Everything is merely to get our DNA into the next generation. Uh, And that it's all selfish and that everything comes down to these chromosomes and nucleic acids controlling things. So they're just getting into the next generation. And you know what? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And and the reason, first of all, is genetic mutation. So chromosomes are not necessarily getting the exact same copy of chromosomes into the next generation. A matter of fact, we know that if that happens for too long, that species, that whole group cannot adapt. So it's not that I have to get my DNA into the next generation. What it is is something that is about combining who we are. We are one group, and then we sort of divide into these little fractions, and that's what's happened now. But if we keep doing this, who's going to survive this? You know, I mean, we've got we've got the the racial thing, uh, we've got COVID. And, and let's not forget climate change you know if we don't address climate change none of the other stuff is going to matter
1: so there's groups forming there's lines being drawn and uh is everyone looking at everyone as their individual self or
2: as their group uh are we Ready to really talk yeah. about this on the Dr. Joe? Show. We need a two-hour special at least. I will do two-hour special. Next, I think we'll. I think you know we can't always just sort of avoid it. So absolutely, that is part of what, what's happening. And there's there's division and there's fear and there's a sense that if one group wins, the other group loses. As opposed to saying, wait a sec, what does united mean? What does the United States of America mean? It's not the divided States of America. It's the United States. Because we came together for freedom. We didn't get it right immediately. A lot of people were disenfranchised. But I'd like to think that we're learning and we're growing and we're doing something about it. it. It is important though to understand why there is this division. If we don't understand it, we cannot change it. We cannot come together because one group will always feel that the other group has more or is trying to take something as opposed to saying, this is what being united means. If you don't have enough, let me share what I have. We're all going to be happier. I mean, if I share something with you, I get less anxious that you're going to try to take it from me and you have less need to to try to take something from me because I've already shared it. It may be that simple. Do we have another clip that we want to go to, Tom? We have uh, one of
3: my favorite past guests was Angela Callahan.
4: In this current state, um, Dr. Joe, the main thing that I'm seeing is uh, a lot of um, discomfort, a lot of Guilt. I think that people are processing differently now than ever before because they are hearing what is being said. And, and the, the, the discomfort for many of them is they are, they are not comfortable with embracing this undercurrent term that is truth about our country, that many people are racist. And that's a heavy word for people to take in, to, to be called a racist What is the first thing someone is going to say? I'm not a racist. Why would you call me that? So terms are important. So it's not about calling someone a racist. It's about calling out their behavior and giving the appropriate feedback so that they can make adjustments and changes. But you have to be open to that feedback. Hmm.
2: Yeah, thank you, Angela. It's just such, such a great insight for all of us. So what do you guys think about this one? George Floyd really did open in the most
3: accurate sense, Pandora's box, because yes, we're dealing with all these negative emotions, but now we have truth. It's like what we have in front of us is undeniable that there are systems in place. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as a cop's knee on a man's neck. It can be things like being removed from the voter rolls all of a sudden because, oh, we thought you moved or having your house undervalued because you're a mixed-race couple. We've seen these things, and it's too much of a pattern to deny. Now, you know, it doesn't have to be self-flagellation, Is I think was one of the best points we came on that night, because guilt isn't a good word. If we're guilty, that's discouraging. We don't want to be involved. Well... <laughs> It implies you did something wrong,
1: right? If you're guilty, it implies that you've done something wrong. Which means you have less value through right. the eyes of others. I didn't do anything wrong, hmm. right? That was 400 years ago. I wasn't even there,
2: right? And yet, the comeback is, but you're still benefiting from it. Yet the gears were never removed. So, so what. Nothing
1: what i've seen since george floyd is you know there's been conversations right we have to have a conversation right it it, it started um you know it, it keeps coming out whatever pivotal moment that happens um let's have the conversation and it never really finished i think I really hope the conversation finishes or at least gets really deep because I think up until now, even as soon as Trayvon Martin and uh, you know, in the recent years, right, Rodney King, right? They're, they're, we're gonna have the conversation about race. Well, started, but they it never really got into a deep dialogue. It's here trust it's happening like the, the the conversation is being forced upon everybody to sit down and pay attention don't just brush this off like no 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 there there's no such thing as racism no 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 that's that that's that's over now that that doesn't happen in our community that that that's not right they they're that that's being overblown well no here are a lot of people that are standing up and saying, pay attention, listen to me, hear what we're saying and think about what we're saying as opposed to blocking it out and ignoring.
2: And going back then, is that being used as part of a political platform to divide the country? Race? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to bring it together, but aren't some people saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this is what has been uncovered in the United States. I was having this, this chat with someone saying, you know, I, I don't wanna just suppress these things because it just is gonna go underground and it's gonna fester. And now we've seen that it's been there all along, but somebody said it's okay to do it and it's been sanctioned and it's been given a credibility and a platform and it's scary because it is part of the dark side of who we are. It's still an I am. I mean, that's the thing. I'm not judging it, but I have to understand it. Why are people of one group so angry and afraid of another? Yeah, why? What happened? What happened? Were they born that way? I don't think so, but they were taught that.
3: I think it's a lot of the same mechanisms that went into, because remember when we were talking with Jonathan Kahn about uh, anti-black racism specifically becoming, it started as, as a PR initiative saying, don't worry, don't worry. You're not committing a massive crime against humanity because these guys, one, they're going to be better under your care. And two, they're not really people anyway. So, right. every now, so with every, you know, every murder, people will say, well, he had fentanyl in his blood, he resisted arrest. And that, that's all true. But I expect a little bit more adulthood from people that are armed and are charged with carrying out the law. It's, it's not an indictment of the police force at large, but I hold them to a high expectation. And, you know, this also happens with Daniel Shaver. He was, he was white, but he was murdered in a hotel. But no one said, well, he was drunk, which he was. But he was crawling on the floor, unarmed, crying, and was shot point blank. And everyone was mad as they should have been no one said well he was drunk well it's a
2: such an important
1: point i mean have the conversation right be open be open to um your implicit bias right mm-hmm. be, be be willing to look in the mirror and say wow i never even really thought about what that meant but wow the origin and, of that is not good yeah
2: yeah uh, you know our guest a couple of weeks ago was Jonathan Kahn. Um, and he said something that really got me thinking, and that's why I wanted to have more time to explore this. He said that because of that video, Chavez looking right into your eyes, right. if you didn't do something, You were complicit. You were going along with it because that one-on-one stare through that video was basically saying, "I'm doing this, and if you don't do anything about it, then you are just as complicit. You're part of me." This is this is to go back to Hetty. This is what Nazi Germany did. Is they systematically created an indifference to the population that they were determined to blame and to get rid of, and to try to to unify their entire country around, so that they could go to war with other countries. Remember, a country has an I. M. Its home domain is its country, the social domain. Is its interaction with the rest of the world. Its IC is the way it sees itself and the way other countries see it, and its biological domain are all of its people, and each of them has an I am. But that is what happened, is there was a slow indifference. If you go to the museum in Washington, D.C., it just spells it out for you. Slowly, methodically, small things had these big changes, which allowed... An entire group of people to be, as Tom said earlier, dehumanized. You know, and it's it's in that dehumanization that there's another clue for who we are as human beings. Because in order for us to really hurt somebody else, do we have to dehumanize them first? And if we do, what does that really say? It means that in our heart of hearts, we don't have a heart to hurt other humans, we have to dehumanize them and make them less than in order for us to then hurt them. That says a lot about us. Good things about us. If we can just remember that everybody is human. Then we can't really hurt them, unless unless we think what they're going to hurt us first.
3: It's always the argument, isn't it? It's like, well, if we end slavery, we'll have to live along with them. Which, and I, one of the discouraging things I learned about those times was the North. Many of most of the northern states were free states, but they also held the view that. We don't want slavery because we don't want them here. Them. It's always a them. It's yeah. it, it's. There'll be riots in the streets. They'll be coming for your neighborhood. How many times
2: have you heard that? Just this last week, right? I mean, Mark brought it up. You know, we've got a we've got a presidential election coming up, and this is part of the division. You know, it's a. An idea that somehow we are in a state of anarchy but how did we get here under this administration well be careful I am believe me believe me this is this okay. is the thing right this is part of why you know we, we have to be cautious about it
1: where is the anarchy happening it's not in every community
2: is it, is it happening at all? I mean, there's always been crime, right? There's always been crime. There's always I don't been I, I, this. I don't,
1: I, don't I don't know if we can dismiss what's happening in some of the cities. I mean, they're burning unless I'm being fed fake. Yeah. Photographs and video clips, like yeah. some of these cities are burning to the ground. Yeah. And I don't know who we blame if we want to blame but i don't know that we can blame the federal government if we can't blame the local government
3: and i think again, we can
2: i think we, we can assign know. responsibility for both right there's a difference between responsibility and blame responsibility you, you can do something blame you're just going to be reactive and not proactive hmm? And it, and we're not going to condone
3: looting and burning because I've seen some of the horror stories. There was this game lounge in Kenosha that got looted and burned. Thank God this guy, Jeremy, the quartering is his YouTube channel. I'm not a big fan myself, but I love what he did. He organized a GoFundMe and raised more than enough to fully restock and reopen that, that business. And I think we should be more proactive in that sense. We should be rallying around restoring these businesses that get burned and looted but also we need to understand that this was incremental there were so many promises made and so many promises forgotten so many people plugged their ears and hummed and there were protests and they said no not that way and there were protests and they said no not right now and then there were deaths and then there were riots and I am not pro-escalation at all. I can't say stop because they're not listening. we got to get them to listen again.
2: When's the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect?
3: And I think we need people, more people like you, Dr. Joe, to say decaf, right? Right. To see those people in those fits of rage and say, you weren't born like this. I'm showing up in the middle of the story. Yeah. How can I de-escalate?
2: Right. and and it's it's not about blame. It's not about blame. These are I ams. that's that's the whole point of the I am is it's not about judging.
1: But if Vincent we don't Van
2: like it, we can change it. So we will change it. and we'll be back next week, folks. Thanks a lot. Really enjoyed this. Mark, Tom. You. next yeah. week. See Thanks, up. Ben. Good
0: night!
1: Have a great Labor Day weekend, folks.
0: Yeah.